What is going on, everybody? Jamie Shaw here on the Absolute Basketball Podcast. Today, I'm very excited about our guest. We have Colin Taylor, uh, basketball insider from GamecockCentral.com on the Rivals Network. We get to deep dive into the South Carolina basketball program, give them a little state of the state of the program uh, type of talk. We talk about the recruiting class coming in. We talk about the expectations for next year's team. We talk about uh, what the perception is and, and where things are at. And, and uh, you know, we talk about AJ Lawson and and kind of all that kind of stuff. We, we we wrap a nice little bow on on where things are at right now, currently with the program. Uh, so very excited for you guys to listen to that and listen to what Colin uh, has to say. Before we get into it, though, we ask our normal ask that you would go ahead and subscribe to this channel. If you would go ahead, uh, rate us five stars and uh, leave us a comment for what you enjoyed uh, about uh, in this episode. Also, too, if you enjoyed what we had to say, please feel free to go ahead and share it across your platforms as well. We'd love for uh, this to get out and let everybody uh, know about the Gamecock program and know about what Colin has to say and, and check him out and everything, too. Uh, but without further ado, here is Colin Taylor on the Absolute Basketball Podcast with Jamie Shaw. What is going on, everybody? Jamie Shaw here on the Absolute Basketball Podcast. Very excited today with our guest. We have basketball insider for Gamecock Central of Rivals Network, Colin Taylor, in to talk the state of the Gamecock University of South Carolina basketball program. Colin, how's it going today? It is going good. Trying to fill as much time as possible during quarantine. I hear you, man. It's amazing the people's availability that they have. I know, right? The, the, the interview process is like, hey, you want to interview? Man, I'd love to. When? Yeah, I can do it in 45 <laughs> minutes. They're just trust me. I get that all the time. Yeah, no, it's been cool. And, you know, and as, as people who interview and, and, you know, make a living on people, other people's availability, yeah. it's been quite, kind of nice. Yeah, I know, right? It's, it's, it, welcome to change. Yes, exactly. Um, so jumping right into it and everything, um, first questions first on the – tip of everybody's kind of tongue right now in Gamecock basketball is A.J. Lawson. Um, he has declared for the draft, and uh, he still has the capability of coming back and all that. But um, what are you hearing on A.J.? And I guess more in-depth with that, what type of loss would that be if he leaves, and what type of gain would that be if he stays? Yeah, I mean, I think that with A.J., um, they're in this information gathering process right now. Um, they've pushed back the deadline, so he has – um, for him to return if he wants to. So he has enough time to go on and um, get as much information as possible. I think that that's what he's doing right now. And um, personally, I probably expect him back. I've heard from a lot of league sources or not league sources, but you know, people that cover the league, people that cover the draft on a pretty you know, in-depth basis that he should come back to school. And um, I think it's smart. And, and Frank Martin said it, I think it's smart if for guys to go and, and learn as much as possible because if he goes out there and, you know, impresses in interviews or if they have in-person workouts impresses in those, he could vault himself into a probably second round pick right now. Um, if he leaves, it's a big scoring void. I mean, I think he averaged a shade over 13 points last year, um, really settled into his role nicely once Jermaine Kusnard obviously moved on to the ball. Um, but if he comes back and South Carolina returns, you know, four of their five starters from last year, and plugs in either Alonzo Frank or Wilden Zavek at your, your center spot. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a team that not only can make the tournament, but win a few games in it. Um, I think getting him back would be a huge, huge boost to what Frank and, and that group's trying to build over there. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, looking at years past of the stuff, it's kind of one of those things that looking at the year A.J. Lawson had, it's clear he should come back. And I think that all the – you know, I saw that you talked with Mike Babcock the other day, and that's kind of what he was leaning toward as well. Uh, that he's hearing around that, you know, he should come back. But 
given the, the history of guys kind of in this position, even, you know, as recently as like P.J. Dozer, given that same type of um, feedback, they still go. The, 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 I guess there's a little bit of worry there, uh, you know, with the history of Gamecock basketball with A.J. Lawson. Yeah, I mean, of course, there's always some worry because these are kids that are 18, 19 years old. And um, I remember what I was like at 18, 19, 20 years old. And my mind was made up one day doing something and completely changed 48 hours later. He has, you know, a month, month and a half to make this decision. So um, I don't think they fully know what they want to do yet. I think this is obviously a situation where they're going to try and talk to as many people as possible in the league, uh, scouts, GMs, front office personnel, to get a full sense of what AJ, where his stock is, um, what he wants to do, where he's kind of projected to go, and uh, make a decision off that. And, I mean, there's obviously some worry, uh, especially now with the G League being such a prominent thing now, recruiting high school guys to go, and there's money you can make in the G League. Um, I think Jalen Green's making $500,000 is the number I saw. So there's some worry, obviously, but for AJ, he wants to be a draft pick. He likes playing at South Carolina. So it's not like it's, if he has to come back, it's a big punishment. He enjoys playing for Frank Martin. He enjoys playing with his team. And um, right now I would say that that's probably the more than likely outcomes that he's back for um, at least one more season at uh, in Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah. And I, I think too, that he's kind of one that this coronavirus thing kind of hurt because he's the type yeah. of player that were he able to get in the workouts, he's got some real tools that kind of pop with his size and with his ball handling, with his shooting and all that kind of stuff that look really good in workouts, um, you know, and not being able to have these workouts kind of it makes them rely on tape. Mm. Quite frankly, his tape wasn't necessarily great last year. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was inconsistent. Uh, he had flashes where you could go off for 25 and then flashes where you would, you know, turn the ball over a little too much. So, yeah, I think that he's going to get a lot of feedback from scouts to say, Hey, these are the, you know, you have to work on X, Y, Z. And then, you know, once he kind of has to make his decision and said, okay, well, maybe coming back for another year where I'm playing with other guys that are really good and have a chance to go to a tournament, um, then, you know, that maybe weighs on him and then he opts to come back. So coming off of an 18 and 13 season last year, um, there's a little bit of inconsistency. There's a little bit of um, all that. But overall, you know, it's the sixth consecutive winning season they've had there, Frank Martin and everything. How did you feel that the staff felt last season went? I feel like the, it was a success. Um, you obviously had those bumps in the road um, early. Stetson obviously being one of them. Um, Boston being another that are knocks to your NCAA tournament resume and knock to your net or however you want to define it. But overall, I feel like the, it was a success. You get Keyshawn Bryant back fully healthy at the end of the season. Um, you had to deal with some injuries. The the one guy you couldn't afford to get hurt gets hurt in Justin Minaya. Um but I feel like, you know, in just talking to people that this was a season that was successful. You got development out of guys. Freshmen really started to come into their own. And this is going to be, from everyone I've talked to, just a, a big springboard into next year where they think they have a chance to be pretty darn good. And then off of last year's team, they lose uh, Coach Sar and then Makai Henry. And then uh, to, to graduation, Jair Bolden transfer. How big of a loss will those guys be? I mean, you're going to have to find a way to – replace Mike. I mean, the leadership he had, uh, just his defensive flexibility to guard, I mean, two through five on the court. Um, you're going to have to find a guy that can do that. If it might not be one guy, it might be two or three guys that you have to rely on. Um, 
Justin Minaya gives you a little bit of that defensive flexibility that Cozart did, just not as big. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's going to be your biggest loss because the points are going to come. You'll find other guys that can get, you know, 11, 12 points a game. Um, Lawson has the ability to do that. Jermaine Kusnard, um, Keyshawn Bryant, Justin Minaya all can, all can score, but it's just going to be about finding the rebounding and defensive mark to do it. Um, Okay, Henry uh, didn't really impact them much. I think that bringing in a guy, guy, you know, having Wildens, Levesque, and Jalen McCreary develop another year and bringing in a Patrick Uriel and a Javon Benson are going to help um, kind of bolster a, a, what was kind of a not thin, but, you know, a three-man rotation um, on the bigs in the, big, the big spot. Uh, and then, you know, with Jair, you lose some three-point shooting. He was a guy of it could spot up. He could create his own shot. Um, he was a, I think Frank called him a tough shot maker that he could dribble into some trouble and still make a shot over some defense. So uh, you hope a guy like a maybe seventh woods or an AJ Lawson or Jermaine Kusnar can continue to develop that and give you some of that, that Jair didn't, you know, give you some of that, that Jair now leaves and then still be solid on the defensive end, which Jair was obviously a little bit streaky at doing. And then next season, they'll have Seventh Woods, who becomes eligible for his senior year. And then they have uh, the two freshmen coming in with Patrick Ariel and Javon Benson. What can you tell us about these three players and what are the expectations that people should have of them coming into next year? Yeah, I mean, the guy that I'm most curious to see is Seventh. I remember he was class of 2016 coming out, and that was my, um, I want to say my junior year of college. So I remember all the hype around him. I remember that. And then obviously goes to North Carolina and kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Um, Doesn't get as many minutes, obviously. I'm really, really excited to see him. The coaching staff is very excited about what he can do. Um, There's a lot of talk about, you know, the ability he gives you on the defensive end just because he is so quick and he understands how to defend at the college level. Um, I think that that's going to be his biggest role, especially early in the season, determining, you know, and then what his offensive game does, they really work with him on the shot. So He'll give you the defensive minutes you need from him, and then it's just a matter of if his shot can be consistent, and if it is, he can get to the basket. He can create. um, He can run the offense really well. Um, And once he does that, then you like what you can do to pair him with Keyshawn Bryant and Jermaine Kusnar and A.J. Lawson on the court maybe, you know, not all at the same time. Um, I think something that seventh brings to the table is efficiency. Like, you have these crazy highlights of him in high school and stuff, but if you watch him play now – he plays with pace. He plays with a slowdown type of pace. Everything's controlled in a controlled manner. He's got a little leadership air about him, too, on the floor. I, I feel like that if Seventh Woods is able to win the starting spot for the team, I feel like the team will be a whole lot better next year because of the, just the inefficiency that they had at the point guard position this year, be it Lawson or Cousinard or whomever it was that was running it at the time. Um, there's a lot of inefficiency, lots of, lots of that. I, I feel like if he's able to jump in and, and win the spot, this team could be really good moving Lawson and Cousinard off the ball and then having the pop coming in from the other guys, you know, the Benayas and the uh, Bryants coming up, you know, at the other spots. And, and it could really benefit um, if, if that were to happen. Oh, by far. And I think that the thing that a lot of people don't realize about seventh is he does pass the ball really well. He's a guy that understands when to go fast, when to go slow, that the pace you talked about and, that's something that South Carolina didn't really have last year. Jermaine Kusner did a very good job in a situation he was thrown into, but 
I kind of compared that to Dwayne Notice having to play a little bit of point guard. You know, when he first got there, just because South mm-hmm. Carolina really didn't have a guy that could do it. And it wasn't until P.J. Dozier got there where Dwayne was moved off the ball and, and you saw what he turned into after that. So um, that's kind of what I compare it to. If South Carolina gets uh, – it'll depend on how they want to use it and how they want to play it, whether it's seventh coming off the bench as your sixth man or, you know, putting Keyshawn coming off the bench as your sixth man, you move Lawson to three. Um, there's a lot of ways there's a lot of pieces you can move around to kind of make it work Um, but I'm really really excited to see what seventh can do I think that if he's the guy he's the biggest question mark if he can come in and give you he doesn't even have to score 15 16 17 points a game Mm -hmm. Um, if he can come in and give you you know six to nine six to ten points haul in three or four rebounds give you four five six assists per game and play really good defense I mean that's what you want from yeah. a point guard because you're going to get points from Jermaine. You're going to get points from AJ. You're going to get points from um, Wildens and, and Manaya and Bryant that he doesn't need to shoulder a lot of that scoring load. Um, and then kind of with Pat and Javon, I mean, they have some entrenched guys in front of them mm-hmm. in um, Wildens and Jalen and Manaya uh, and, and Frank. But Pat, I talked to Josh Daly, his head coach, a couple of weeks ago, and he raved about if you know if Pat can get the mental side of things, and and that together that he could compete for minutes early. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked to Eric Stoneman, who obviously coached Javon for a few years at Ridgeview, and um, he said he still needs to develop, but his athleticism is good enough to where he could compete too for some minutes. And um, for Javon, it's about reshaping his body a little bit, um, getting into the nutrition program, um, getting stronger. Uh, and then getting a little more comfortable. He's a little raw right now. Um, but both guys have the ability to, by their sophomore, junior year, be starters and be efficient minute getters for this team. Yeah. Watching Javon, one of the things that really pops about him more than really anything is his timing. Like yeah. he, he's surprisingly really only being like six, seven or so, uh, you know, and, and the way, you know, his body shape now a really good shot blocker. Like he really oh. gets up and, and blocks a ton of shots and gets in the passing lanes and really does some stuff defensively um, naturally. Yeah. I mean, I got to watch him once or twice this year and uh, I was kind of blown away by his ability to rebound for a guy that is just six, seven. Um, yeah. His wingspan is insane. Yeah, I his mean, wingspan and his hands are huge. Oh, it's, it's impressive. And you know, he's a good shooter for his size and his just raw athleticism. I watched him play against prolific prep. Um, in the Chick-fil-A Classic where he had, I think, four or five from three. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's clicking, he's a guy that can go off for, you know, 20, 25 points in the game. And um, that should only get better, I think, that is, as he gets to be more consistent, gets his body in shape and um, adapted to the college game. He's a guy that gives you a little bit of athleticism at the, the four spot. Um, you can play him at the five in a pinch um, if you really need someone, if you want him to play small. Uh, but I really like the two guys they signed. They're not going to be, you know, you don't look them on paper and go, wow, you know, this is like the, the fifth best class in the country. But these are guys that fit Frank Martin really, really well. And guys that, you know, can come in and, and give them efficient minutes. And I think that that's, that's more important to Frank and to Chuck and to Bruce and to Perry and the, and the guys on the staff there than having this great on paper recruiting win. Yeah, and I think the things about Ariel that really impressed me are, you know, his ability to run. He really runs the floor well with great hands, and he's really athletic. Yeah, and he's strong, too. Yeah, he's, he's strong. strong. He's going to work hard, and, and he's going he's gonna to develop, continue as a player. But 
right now his ability to run and his just sheer pure athleticism is, is really intriguing. Yeah. I mean, and he's a guy that, I mean, before his junior year, you know, before senior, year, I was like, I don't know about this guy. I mean, South Carolina showing some interest, but you know, he's still got a little bit of ways to go developmentally. And then all of a sudden he turns it on and his body gets reshaped and um, it, he just turns into a division one basketball player, an SEC basketball player. And, um, it was really amazing to watch his development. I think that that's what's so important for South Carolina is the fact that he's not done developing yet. He's nowhere close to his ceiling, um, and he's good right now. And then if he continues kind of this upward trajectory that he's been on, I mean, it's going to be – he's going to be a good one, I think, if, if he continues to progress the way he's progressed over the last year, year and a half. So we're both here, and I guess that A.J. Lawson's probably – projected to come back that's yeah. not a hundred percent so but let's just for the sake of conversation say that he is coming back what are a couple of storylines that you have in your head uh that you want to see answered to see uh about this team going into next year yeah i want to see how seventh um what his role is if he can come off the bench and or even if he starts and just give you you know eight points kind of what i said earlier mm-hmm. um that's a big one for me um, seeing how seventh develops and then what he looks like after a year removed from playing competitively um, when the lights are on. Um, that's a big one. Uh, who gets the fifth starting spot? Let's just say if those four guys, if they decide to keep Jermaine, AJ, Keyshawn, and Justin as your starters, who fills that Mike Coatsar role? Um, if that's, you know, Wildens Levesque, who I think gives you a little bit more shot blocking presence. Mm-hmm. Um, compared to maybe Alonzo Frank. Um, but I think those are the two guys that you could play at the five um, and, and play them well. Um, who, who takes over that spot? And then kind of the other big one is how do you manage these minutes? Um, kind of dating back to what it was last year, how do you manage the minutes? Because you have such a crowded backcourt with I mean, if A.J. Lawson comes back, which is kind of what we're assuming at this point, you have A.J. Lawson, Jermaine Kusner, T.J. Moss, Trey Hannibals, and Seventh Woods all back there, and there's only 40 minutes per game. So you got to find time to, you know, give Jermaine and A.J. and um, Seventh their, their due, but then you also have to find minutes for Trey Hannibal, who's a really, really good player. You have to find minutes for T.J. Moss, who has shown flashes of being really good. Um, I think they're going to move TJ off the ball a little bit, which should give him a little more chance to show off kind of that shooter um, that he was known for before moving out to Finley prep. And I mean, finding minutes in the backcourt is going to be, I mean, a war. I mean, it's going to be, I, I would love to be in practice as these guys are going back and forth at it because it's going to be fun to watch. And, and all of these guys are really talented. And um, so finding those guys and, and seeing how the minis, minutes get divvied up uh, between your, you know, five or six guys in the backcourt um, is going to be one of the bigger ones that I'm really curious about. Yeah, absolutely. And then kind of with that too, this is a very deep roster and there's oh, yeah. lots of positional versatility too. They can, they can go small, they can go fast, they can go big. Um, they can do all this kind of stuff. Who for you, I, I, after you go, I'll, I'll say my couple too, if you don't say the ones that I'm thinking as well, but who are a couple breakout guys that you think can really step up uh, this year? Jalen McCreary is number one for me. I mean, I think that's a guy that, really showed what he could do kind of in the back half of SEC play. His shot started to fall. Now it's probably not the prettiest shot in the world, uh, but it goes in. And I don't really care, you know, if it's this great shot or not. If it goes in, it goes in. And um, he's a guy that I think as he continues to get stronger and reshape his body and then get more comfortable with the speed that he has to play at, 
he's going to be really, really good. I think he's got a chance to do some special things and um, probably a guy that, you know, he's pretty well known, um, but Keyshawn Bryant, I'm really, really excited to see where he, he was injured a lot last year. He didn't get a full off season, um, really a full non-conference slate to kind of get his feet under him. And it took him a little bit, a little bit of time to, get accustomed to things in SEC play and he was just never healthy. So I'm excited to see what Keyshawn Bryant looks like after getting on campus, whenever that might be uh, and getting into this weight room and having a full, you know, two or three months to gear up for a season instead of two or three months, six weeks sidelined and then having to gear up again and then getting a concussion. So those are the two guys that I'm pretty excited about. And then obviously seeing Jermaine Kustar and how he kind of develops after what was, I mean, an absolutely stellar Sundarius Thornwell-esque freshman year. Yeah, Jermaine Cousinard is my main one. Yeah. I feel like he's got a real opportunity here. Uh, I think there's a chance that he could be the best pro prospect on the roster. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a chance that he could really, really shine this year if he's not asked to play point guard exclusively. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, his game is complete. I mean, offensively at least. Uh, yeah. you know, he, he tries on defense and he's got some stuff. But offensively, I mean, he can shoot the cover off the ball. He can really see the floor. He's got the handle to get where he wants on the floor. Um, you know, as, as seen by Frank trusting him as a freshman um, to come in and run the team. And, and you know, to, and, and the team got better when, when yeah. they did that as well. Um, I think Cousinard's one who could have a chance to really, really take a step into, like, all SEC type of, um, type, type of season. Yeah. Maybe not first team, but like at least in the all SEC. Yeah, the you know. kind of Bree and Tyree role. And I mean, I can looking at the stats, I mean, it's almost eerie how similar him and Sundarius Thornwell's freshman years mm-hmm. were. Yeah. Uh, and he had to play a little bit more point guard than Sundarius did his freshman year. So um, Jermaine is, I mean, he's a good kid. Uh, you hate to see what happened to him his true freshman year where he had to redshirt, but. Um, He's special. I think that he's got a chance to be really, really special at South Carolina. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And, and that's another one, too, where, you know, in his time, Frank Martin's gotten ripped for recruiting and, mm-hmm. or lack thereof and stuff. But then all of a sudden you look at the, where the guys they didn't get, where they ended up, and then you look at the guys who they did get and where they end up. Yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, that, that's, that's a misnomer. Mm-hmm. He's not recruiting. It's more, it's more so that he's really, really evaluating his ass off and right. finding good players and, you know, that people, other people just aren't. Yeah, I mean, if you look at these last two classes, the, the 18 and 19 class, there's an argument, a serious, serious argument to be made that these are his best two classes in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at 18 where you haul in T.J. Moss and A.J. Lawson and Keyshawn Bryant and Trey Campbell, who was a very, very a solid – um, not going to light the world on fire, but solid grad transfer. Um, and Jair Bolden, who was you know what he was this year. And then you stack that on top of a class with Trey Hannibal and Jalen McCreary and Wilden Zavec and Trey Anderson, who still has a chance to be really good. I mean, this is, when you just look at the totality of it, I mean, maybe his best two classes back-to-back in, in his time at South Carolina. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, and I think it's really neat, the creativity with which they're recruiting at. I mean, they go to Maine to get Wildens Lebeck. Yeah. Uh, they have A.J. Lawson classify up to come in as, you know, a year ahead of time. You know, obviously uh, Hannibal's in state, but still Hartsville, South Carolina. It's not a heavily trafficked place no. um, to get through to. And 
um, you know, going uh, the way they got Cousinard. I mean, it's a Chicago guy from down uh, prep school down mm-hmm. in Florida, I believe. Um, you know, it's just they've, they've gotten creative and really done a great job evaluating. The second guy that I think has a chance to be really good this year breakout is Wildens Lebeck. Yeah. Kind of going along with your same theory with Jalen McCreary. Somebody's got to step up in that five spot. Mm-hmm. And I think McCreary's versatility with his ability to switch defensively and, and his timing defensively and stuff will, you know, will be able to play him a lot of minutes there. But I, Levesque, something about him, something about seeing him in the Pro-Am last year, the way he runs the floor, you know, he was hitting mid-range kind of fadeaways and posting up. And gosh, man, after a year, after working with Frank and, and the staff there and stuff, I think Wildens Levesque has upside to be really good. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I, I left that Pro-Am when him as a freshman blown away in yeah. love with his shot. Um, he didn't hit a lot of threes at the mm-hmm. time. Um, but he's a shot that looks pretty coming off the hand. And when he starts to hit threes at a consistent pace, he's the kind of guy that you're going to, you know, have to go out there. If he's on the perimeter, you're going to have to go out there and guard him. Cause he can, you know, even if he's a 25 to 30%, you know, free throw shooter for the stuff he does take, then you have to respect that. And yeah. you want to talk about getting creative with recruiting with Wildens. I mean, you stole him from, VCU and UMass were, yeah. were the two schools that were going after him hard. And um, you just, they, they found this kind of diamond in the rough and um, a guy that was kind of under-recruited and all of a sudden, boom, he comes in and he has a chance to be a starter. He started eight games as a freshman. Yeah. That's a chance to be a starter in year two. And I think too, that he brings a dynamic, as you, as you mentioned it earlier, that Coatsar might not have had. Coatsar was a really good post defender, mm-hmm. but he wasn't really a great rim protector. Um, uh, I think Williams Lebeck has a chance to be both. Right. And, and as and a both win protector and a, and a post defender. Yeah. And if you pair him with Justin Manaya, if you want to play Justin at the four, then you get a guy that is a really good post defender, really good defender, period. Um, and you pair him with a guy like Wildens who can, you know, switch and help and do what he needs to do and protect the rim. I mean, that's just, that's the makings of a really, really good one two punch down, down in the block. Well, yeah, and, and, and you mentioned the minutes at, at guard position, too. I think the minutes at the 4-5 are going to be interesting to see how they play out as well. Mm-hmm. You know, because you do have guys, Manaya, you have Keyshawn Bryant who played some minutes there. You got McCreary, who we've talked about, Wildens Levesque, Alonzo Frank, who we've glossed over a little bit, too, who's a really, really efficient player and a great rebounder and stuff. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how those, those minutes play out, too, because that could also define the shape of the team, whether Frank Martin traditionally, who goes two bigs, or yeah. if, if he adapts to kind of the small ball that he did in the final four run with Sundarius before a lot, uh, you know, how, kind of how, how he plays that out and how he did with those minutes up will be interesting as well. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I don't envy him. I do not envy him one bit. I mean, it's one of those where and you kind of talked about it a little bit last year um, where he said that if you only have six guys playing 30 plus minutes, mm-hmm. uh, the team's not going to be very good. But if you have seven or eight guys playing 20 minutes a game, the team has a chance to be pretty good. And I think that's kind of what the case is here is that you don't want to have to have Wildens and Justin hogging, you know, 28, 30 minutes a game. But if Justin can give you, you know, 12 minutes at the four uh, and then, you know, 12 minutes at the three and give you 24 minutes and, you know, you can swap Wildens and Jalen and out at, you know, or Alonzo, you play him for 10, 15 minutes, um, and he gives you some some great offensive play and then some rebounding. Um, he still needs to develop his defensive game. But, I mean, this is a team that has a lot of options, and we've talked about it. But, you know, they have their identity. They like to play efficient. Uh, they love to – you know, they have their defensive identity. 
Uh, offensively, they love to play fast. But, you know, if, if you're a team that wants to go out there and play small, they'll answer you. They'll play you small. You want to go out there and play fast, they got a team that can go play fast with you. You want, a team, you, you want to play big and slow down the pace and grind it out, well, they, they got a team that can go out there and, and grind it out with you. So um, the versatility of this team is probably the best it's ever been under Frank. Uh, now it's just a matter of kind of getting everyone in their roles, everyone healthy um, for what seems like the hardest part to do at South Carolina. Um, and they get a chance to, you know, make some noise in the SEC and then potentially if they get there, the tournament. So as you mentioned, I know in, in listening, you know, knowing you and talking with you and listening to the stuff that you talk about on your podcast as well, um, you like the numbers a lot. You really, oh, you yeah. really dig into the numbers and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's always been known that Frank is a – Frank Martin is a grinder on defense. It's like he, it, it, he takes pride in shot clocks and all that kind of stuff and, and uses as much energy as possible. And then also, as you've mentioned, the pace of play offensively has, has just gotten really fast. Oh, it's well. insane, yeah. Do you think that this upcoming season, with the type of depth and talent that the team has, this could possibly be the first year that Frank's able to actually play fully the way that he wants to play without really worried about people getting tired and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, and I think you've slowly seen the transition to it um, over his time, over the last two or three years, good dating back to that 2018 class. I think this is the first year you're going to see more of that uh, as close to utopian as Frank wants to get with his offense and defense. Um, just because, you know, if Lawson comes back, he's a junior. If, you know, you have Manaya in year four of the program. Uh, you have Keyshawn Bryant in year three. Uh, you have seventh, who's got a year under his belt um, with Frank Martin. I mean, you look at the numbers, and, and they were 17th in adjusted tempo. You, you started to see it after that 2017-18 season. Mm -hmm. They were 61st in adjusted tempo in 20 the for the 18-19 season and then last year they were 17th so they made that big of a jump in just a year um and then for adjusted defensive efficiency they were 71st last year and then 50th the year you know last year yeah. or 71st to 50th this year and i mean it's that's kind of where they want to be i'm sure that they would like to be a little bit better defensively in mm -hmm. terms of just points allowed per 100 possessions but I mean, they're slowly getting to the point where you have sophomores, juniors, and seniors instead of freshmen, sophomores, and juniors on the team. Um, and that helps with how he wants to play because Frank's not a guy, I mean, you know as well as I do, Frank's not a guy where you come in as a freshman and you're like, all right, I got it, let's do it. You know, <laughs> the system, I, you know, I've perfected the system. Yeah, uh, It takes a little bit of while for a guy to get really comfortable in it. And um, if you play as a freshman, I think that shows you just how – smart and, and talented you are because of you know it does take a while to learn especially the defensive side of things what frank wants to do yeah and uh i guess looking into it frank he's going into his ninth season now at south carolina he's got 147 wins uh including six consecutive winning seasons you know he's got three guys who are playing in the pros uh and he's third all-time in south carolina history in coaching wins uh, in half the games that Frank Johnson and Frank McGuire ahead of him, who are one and two, ha have, have coached in. How do you feel Frank Martin has been at the University of South Carolina? I think he's done a really, really good job. Um, I think that this is the most stable the program's been uh, in a very long time. Um, he's talked about it before, but uh, after that Final Four run, they kind of had to hit a reset button um, and not build from the ground up. But you had that Final Four team, um, then the BB gun incident kind of showed its head in terms of the numbers and you kind of filled those 
plugged those with some JUCO guys and, and it took them a while to get going. And um, you had to plug them with some grad transfers and that really doesn't lend itself to sustainability because they're in one year and out the next. And um, you had some transfers and then the Rakeem Felder situation. So it took them three years really to kind of get on stable footing after, you know, what Frank called hitting the reset button. So um, I think that this is the most stable the program has been in a very, very long time. And while they don't have a lot of NCAA tournaments to show for it, I think Frank Martin will be the first one to tell you that he wants to be at more. He wanted to go to more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that this 20, so the 2020, 2021 season, um, they have a very, very good shot at making it. I, I really like what they put on paper. And I mean, you look what they're doing, you know, in the SEC the last, you know, six years dating back to the year that they got screwed out of going to the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, you're at 11 wins, 12 wins, seven wins, 11 wins, 10 wins. It's double digit SEC wins in five of the last six years. Yeah. So um, that's really, really hard to find a South Carolina team that's had double, you know, that kind of success in the league dating back to, you know, the ACC. So um, I really like what Frank Martin's done. Uh, he started with almost nothing and had to kind of build from the ground up and, um, you're starting to see some of the fruits of that labor now with them kind of being a consistent, good player in the SEC. And then looking at the all-time wins list, you have Frank McGuire um, at number one. And then second on the list is Frank Johnson. And then third, obviously, being uh, Martin. What is it about Frank's coaching at South Carolina that they have so much success? <laughs> I think that has to be a prerequisite now. If you want to coach at South Carolina, you have to be named Frank. There's no doubt. I mean, I can't think of any other really Franks that have ever – necessarily coached at a high level except for these guys in South Carolina yeah I mean that's about <laughs> it <laughs> and I don't know South Carolina fans don't hear it, but I think Frank Howard right yeah up at Clemson but that's yeah. I think that's it <laughs> yeah part of the lot on Franks yeah three of the or four of the best Franks have originated in the Palmetto State in terms of success yeah you know it's something to be said there <laughs> yeah um so go, transitioning from the team currently to kind of recruiting and everything um what is well what are they are they done with this class right now for the 2020 yeah yeah I think so for unless a transfer pops up that you know we haven't seen coming or uh, AJ decides to uh, stay in the draft it looks like their roster is barring anything unforeseen I mean Mm -hmm. pretty set absolutely and then looking forward to 2021 uh, who are some players at the top of the list uh, that need to watch out for yeah, I mean, they obviously have the one commit already in Devin Carter, um, who reclassified from 2020 Another to Another incredibly creative way to get yeah. split on campus. Yeah, I know, right? A guy that averaged 30 points over the last two years at, you know, in Miami, uh, yeah. of all places. Got um, he's got a chance to be good, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and he's told me he's not done growing. I think he's 6'4 right now and says to be, you know, if, if things project the way that his doctors kind of hope, um, he'll be 6'6 by the time he gets to South Carolina with, I mean, an insane frame and can shoot the cover off the ball. And um, they worked it perfect. I mean, just one of those guys where it's like, hey, you have a shoulder injury, let's reclass. And, you know, he wanted to come to South Carolina um, and all of a sudden reclasses and comes um, and is kind of inked for that 2021 group. And uh, Jacoby Wright is a name that they've been on for about a year now, um, a little bit less than a year, but um, who's deciding probably – into June, beginning of July is kind of what he told me. I talked to him recently and um, they're recruiting him pretty heavily. And then Cesar Edwards over at Hartsville, teammate of Trey Hannibal's and John Butler are guys that they're tracking pretty, pretty extensively for that 2021 group. 
What can you tell us about, um, I guess you went into Carter a little bit. What can you tell us about Butler and Jacoby as players? Yeah, Jacoby, I mean, paces. I mean, he is what Frank looks for in a point guard. I mean, he's a guy that knows how to pace the floor, uh, can score from all three levels, uh, can get to the rim when he wants to, um, really good from three. Um, just to, he's smart. He's a cerebral player, and I think that that's what Frank and Bruce and Chuck, when they go out recruiting in Perry too, that's what they look for in guys, is guys that are cerebral, especially at the point guard spot. And I think he fits what Frank wants to do really well. And, um, you know, if he commits to South Carolina, I think that's a really good pickup, um, especially early on in the process. So uh, for Butler, um, true seven-footer, top 100 kid nationally on the rivals rankings, and uh, kind of skinny. I mean, I think he'll be the first one to tell you that he's skinny. Yeah. Uh, but he does a lot of good things on the floor. I mean, his dad's his high school coach, and his dad's been his coach now for what seems like his entire life. <laughs> so uh, they work, you know, on – it's not just – and I've talked to his dad about recruiting before. It's not just, okay, you're seven foot, it's time to be a big. It's you need to know how to put the ball on the floor. You need to know how to shoot. You need to know how to do things mm-hmm. in the mid-range and, and from deep and and also working on your post moves because, you know, you are seven foot. That usually tends to help yourself closer to the rim. Um, so he does a little bit of everything. He's kind of a guard trapped in a postman's body, um, just in terms of his skill set. And, and Edwards is just a guy that's um, coming into his own. Was part of that Hartsville team with Trey Hannibal, um, and Trey kind of shouldered a lot of the scoring and, and everything else load uh, because he was such a good player. And Cesar was a little young, um, was a freshman sophomore. So now that he's a junior, um, he's really kind of grown into his own. Um, has really come along really well as a rebounder, uh, as a shooter. He has a chance if he continues his trajectory the way he's going right now to be, I mean, a guy that gets NBA looks, mm-hmm. um, not just as a senior, but, you know, maybe as a freshman, sophomore, kind of the A.J. Lawson mold of, you know, coming in and knowing that he might not be there all four years. Yeah, I, I agree with you on all that kind of stuff. Um, also, too, kind of a little bit with, with Butler, both his parents are South Carolina alumni. Right. Um, kind of is that playing a part at all in his recruitment? I mean, because, you know, you kind of hear things all over the board, uh, you know, with him definitely not going to South Carolina or definitely going to South Carolina and all that kind of stuff. How's that, how's that kind of playing out? I don't think it really impacts his recruiting as much as people maybe want to believe. Um, I think that he's been exposed to the South Carolina program a little bit more than others because he's been going to games, football games, basketball games for a while now because his parents – went there in our fans. I mean, they, he's been going to football games his entire life and um, knows the program really well. But his dad and him have kind of both told me, hey, listen, this is not my, the dad's decision. This is not the mom's decision. This is John's decision. Um, and whatever that might be, you know, if he wants to go to, you know, Anchorage, Alaska to go play, they're going to let him go play in Anchorage, Alaska. So um, I think that it, I mean, it certainly doesn't hurt that he's been around the program for you know, 16, 17 years, however old he is. But um, I don't think it's going to be the be-all, end-all in terms of deciding where he wants to go. And then kind of taking a more macro look at the recruiting aspect, and, and this this may just be how things are played out, or I don't know, but I want to get your thoughts on it. Early in Frank's career at South Carolina, he got a lot of flack for not recruiting the state of South Carolina. Um, now it kind of looks like he's he's making a concerted effort. I mean, you know, the two guys he's bringing in this year, as you mentioned, Ariel and uh, Benson, they're not only South Carolina kids, they're Columbia kids. Yeah. Uh, you know, looking forward to the names that you mentioned here. Um, you know, obviously they got Devin Carter, who Frank's had a longstanding relationship with. 
uh, his family, but also the other three names, Jacoby, John, and Cesar Edwards are all South Carolina kids. Are, are they, is it just so happening that guys who fit what they're looking for just happen to be in South Carolina? Or are they putting a more concerted effort in actually mining the state and keeping the local talent home? I think it's more the latter. I think that uh, they're doing a really good job of trying to identify and getting in on these kids early. Um, I think if these kids, I mean, it, it's so hard. South Carolina is in such a weird spot because, I mean, you're, for every kid like a seventh Woods who was a top 50 kid nationally, you're going to have a lot of the blue bloods coming into your backyard trying to recruit. And that's hard to keep them sometimes because, um, but I think that they're making a concerted effort. I think they're doing a really good job of it. I think that Chuck Martin and Bruce Shingler and, and Perry Clark have been, you know, putting in a little bit more extra effort to go out there and, out there and um, um, you know, put these relationships and build these relationships together. Um, you look at Hartsville. I mean, Chuck Martin's done a really good job building a relationship with Yusuf English, um, who's over there and, and getting Trey Hannibal to commit early in the process and, and jumping in early with Cesar and, um, Bruce Shingler's done a good job with you know, developing a relationship with that legacy for Jacoby and um, Jalen up there too. Jalen McCreary played up there, um, not originally from South Carolina, but I think they're doing a really good job of it. And I think that it also helps that you've had a lot of a string in recent years of, of high major talent coming through the state. Um, whether that ends up at South Carolina or not, it does certainly help your reputation when you're recruiting um, a bunch of these guys that are from in-state programs. I think it's kind of cool. South Carolina is a very odd place to recruit because a lot of times the guys that are higher ranked end up being the better players. You know, you look at guys who have had successful stuff. I mean, Nick Claxton, not the top 100 guy coming out of high school. You got Trey Hannibal, who wasn't, I don't even think it was a top 200 guy. John Morant wasn't the top 200 guy. Aaron Neesmith, everybody was looking at Josiah James, and rightfully so, he's great. But Neesmith didn't latch on until kind of later uh, in his career. And all those guys are pros. Um, you know, South Carolina is a very interesting, uh, interesting state that if you do your work, you can come out with some. Yeah, it's I mean, you, uh, not a lot of people talk about the, the talent in South Carolina. Just I mean, over the last you want to talk about three years where you've had you know, Ja and Zion and, and at the top end of that, obviously, uh, Josiah James, I think, is an NBA level player. Um, Aaron Neesmith is going to be an NBA level player, you know, in the next two or three months. Yeah. So, I mean, they're the talents there. And then you look at the guys that South in South Carolina's landed. Jalen McCreary, uh, mm-hmm. who played one year in South Carolina. Trey Hannibal, who has a chance to be all SEC defensive team before all you know everything's said and done in South Carolina. Um yeah. and then Jacoby Wright, if he commits to South Carolina, another guy that you know can step in and, and get minutes early in his career. Uh Patrick Eriel and Javon Benson guys that kind of flew under the radar. Neither of them were top 150 kids in our rankings, um, but have chances to make an impact. Um, So, I mean, this is a state that has talent. And if you build the right relationships and continue to build the relationships um, over the next two or three classes, you're going to have a chance to land some studs in this 21, 22, 23 classes. Absolutely. And there are, by all accounts, some studs that are coming through in those. The the 21 classes is deep as it's been in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, top to bottom talent. There's some studs in 22 and 23 as well. And then, and then the Cam Scott kid in 24 is just as good of a prospect as there's been in South Carolina in a while. So, you know, it's, it's a good time to be hitting a, hitting a streak in, in the state. You hope, you hope, you hope it starts in 2021 and continues in 22 with Julian Phillips and a few other guys in that class and yeah. see where it goes. Absolutely. So kind of wrapping things up here. Uh, do you have any early predictions for next year's team? 
Oof. Way too early predictions. We'll call yeah. That. I'll say I think they'll have right around the same number of conference wins. I think it's hard to win more than, you know, they'll probably win 10, 11, 12 SEC games. Um, they have a team too. I think that they're going to be better in non-con because you're going to have, let's say AJ Lawson comes back. You're going to have, and depending on, let's just say AJ Lawson comes back and Jermaine stays at the point guard spot. Um, you'll have a redshirt sophomore, a junior, a junior, a redshirt junior, and a true sophomore in your starting lineup. Um, that's experience. That's not just yeah. guys that have played. So you'll do better in the non-con. Um, I think that, you know, 20 wins is something that's very, very feasible for the South Carolina team. Uh, I think they, I think they make the tournament. I'll go ahead and make that bold prediction now that I think they, they'll make it and they can have a chance to win a game or two. Um, yeah. In it. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you on it. I, I think my counts, this is the deepest team that Frank's had. I think this is the most talented team that Frank's had. And that's totally understanding. You know, the final four team has three guys that are on pro contracts on it. I think this is the most deep team that Frank's had um, in his tenure. So, you know, 20 wins and, you know, the 11 SEC wins and all that kind of stuff. I think that they could be a, you know, just like you said, an NCAA team. Absolutely. And I think that that's what the fan base wants. I think that's what obviously Frank and his staff wants. And um, I think that this is the year that they have a chance to going into it, knowing that they can be one of the, you know, four or five best teams in the SEC and make some noise come March. Knock on wood, we have a March Madness. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Uh, and I guess kind of temperature, you know, you're a, you're an insider, you're on the, the message boards and all that kind of stuff. What's the temperature of end base surrounding kind of where the, the program's at right now and, and the looking for? Yeah, I think fans are frustrated. I mean, fans always want NCAA tournament every year um, just because they want to see their team playing in March. And um, that's just not something even – the best programs in the country, they struggle to do things like that. So, um, and an SEC team is not going to make, be able to make the tournament every year. There's just no way. Um, so I think the fans are frustrated. I think that making it to the NCAA tournament this year uh, upcoming will certainly help um, get that off Frank um, because then it's going to be two tournaments and um, a, a five-year span, um, nine years total. So that's huge. I think that, um, Fans are obviously frustrated. I'm, I'm not going to say they're not, um, but I think they're also optimistic about what this team can be. I think that on paper, the ones that really, really think and critically think about this team um, understand the struggles that plagued them last year in terms of inconsistency and, and freshmen and sophomores trying to learn things on the fly. Um, I think they understand that it's only going to help them this year and it should vault them into a pretty fast start in what could be a South Carolina team that gets a pretty high seed in the tournament um, if everything breaks correctly the way they kind of hope it to yeah um well colin it's been awesome hanging out with you it's been awesome chopping it up talking about the state of the program and all that uh why don't you tell these people where they can find you at and find your work at yeah uh log into gamecockcentral.com um we have a great deal going on right now um where it's it's try us free uh all of our premium subscriber only access uh for football basketball baseball all that fun stuff you get it for free until august um, so all the summer months, all the football recruiting, the basketball stuff, baseball, MLB draft, um, you get that for uh, nothing. You get it for free until August. And um, you can find me there on the message boards and, and on Twitter at Colin Taylor, Colin Taylor um, all together, C-O-L-L-Y-N, and then Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R. Um, feel free to angry tweet me. 
uh, DM me all that fun stuff that goes along with uh, social media. Good deal, man. I appreciate you. And guys, yeah, Colin's a good follow. He's very, very intellectual, not only basketball, but he also does some baseball stuff. He's kind of a jack of all trades when it comes to being an insider for South Carolina stuff. So uh, he's a good person to get to know if you're a Gamecock fan or just an overall kind of fan of, of college sports or whatnot. He's uh, very knowledgeable and stuff. So I would highly suggest give him the follow and, and check out what they got going at Gamecock Central um, Rebels Network as well. Um, some really good stuff over there too. Uh, Colin, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for joining us and the stuff. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me, and I'm always available if anyone needs anything. And there you have it, the state of the program, University of South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, we want to thank Colin Taylor for coming on. Great job with him. Uh, very insightful, great, uh, great thoughts, and, uh, you know, kind of peeled back the layers and got a little bit inside the program and, and, and where things are at. Um, until next time, I ask that you please go ahead and subscribe to the channel. Greatest five stars, leave comments with what you enjoyed about the program. And if you like what we said, please feel free to share it across your platforms as well. But for Colin Taylor, I am Jamie Shaw on the Absolute Basketball Podcast. Look forward to seeing you next time.